The views and opinions expressed by the Love Party Podcast panel participants and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the Good Times of Good People Company, the host, or its sponsors. It's not getting it, getting it. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times of Good People Company proudly presents the Love Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Now that you've received your invitation, the best way to let us know that you're in attendance is to download the party or become official by joining us on Facebook, subscribing on YouTube, iTunes Podcasts, or Google Play Podcasts. Good. Thanks for joining us. Grab a cocktail, light a cigar, or whatever you like to smoke, share us with your friends, and make yourself at home. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. Hey out there, podcast land. I'm your host, Rio, and welcome to the Law Party Podcast, episode 71, The Path to Totality. Uh, from Rachel, racial heritage marches to a total eclipse of the sun, it's getting dark in here. But before we get started, let's introduce today's panel. I, of course, have my returning champion, Chris O'Connor. He is the owner of Liquor Night Entertainment and Investments, as well as having interest in Regal Whiskey and Office Works. I have got Big Dave Elliott. He's the owner of CNP Construction. I've got uh, Adrian Lewis, um, formerly uh, in management in the manufacturing sector. Uh, you want me to announce? Sure. Uh, I have got uh, Lane Boland, uh, uh, one half of the Brothers Grimm. Uh, uh, I like to call them the money and the honey. Uh, and, he, oh, shit. and he is and he is the money in the Brothers Grimm. That's a shirt. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. The, money the money and the honey. The money and the honey. And if somebody else is with him, oh, the honey yeah, is with yeah, the honey. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and of course, uh, the anonymous female, because she doesn't want you to know her name. But before we get into important things, let's get into important things. So, what are we drinking? Um, our bartender, Ben, uh, couldn't stay, but before he left, he gave me the recipe for Daughter of Old Westport. Uh, <laughs> this cocktail was inspired by um, the classic Negroni. It showcases um, a love for sherry, actually. Um, also, um, it kind of experiments with different removes, and, uh, and this, this is a riff on a recipe originally from Spain. Um, was was the daughter named Sherry? Uh, I have no, Sherry. I have no yeah. idea. One legged prostitute. But I but I I'll, I'll go with both of those. I work with that. Okay. All right. All right. So we've got one ounce of uh, of Rieger's uh, dry gin. We've got one ounce of uh, Aperol. We've got one ounce of uh, Sherry Vermouth, uh, and four to five drops of Bitterman's uh, grapefruit bitters. Uh, you're gonna combine those in a glass, stir with ice, strain until chilled, and garnish with an orange zest. That sounds good. Uh, and, and of course, uh, the anonymous female is doing what she normally does in our podcast and not drinking. Uh, so the rest of us can say how delicious this is. Uh, and of course, I don't know why, because this is a gin one. She, she would have she drank this just fine. Mm. But that's okay, because it's delicious. Uh, and that leaves us with, what are we smoking? It is the Casa uh, Fernandez Miami Angasora Leaf Maduro Robusto Extra. I feel like Lane should 
Let him say, uh, say, say that like Okay, I'm going to wait. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Lane. Casa Fernandez, Miami, Aganorsa, Leaf, Maduro, Robusto, Axton. There you go. The first half and then the second half. There you go. Exactly. So the supply for this tobacco um, is, comes directly from where the owner kind of grew this in the Mexican San Andreas. Um, and so you've got the... I thought I tasted weed. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the... Uh, what, say, say that again for us, like the, what is it, Ag, Ag, Agnorosa? Uh, that would be uh, Aganorsa. Aganorsa. Uh, so you've got the Aganorsa, um, um, and which in itself actually has a really interesting uh, flavor. Uh, and for a change, we're smoking this in a Robusto extra size. I'm personally not uh, as big a fan of Robustos, but this is actually not a bad cigar. Oh, she said. And, well, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, um, and so this is really not a bad cigar at all, and uh, and is on uh, Cigar Aficionado's top twenty-five list. So please check it out, and uh, that takes us into today's RIP. Well, there, there, you forgot to say one more thing about that cigar. Yes, the name is so long it actually has three wrappers on it. <laughs> <laughs> Goes in a spiral uh, down. Yes, yeah. And actually, actually, one other thing about this cigar is actually reasonably inexpensive. It's only like nine or ten bucks a stick. So, um, so it's not going to hurt your pocketbook either. Nice. Uh, so, today's RIPs. Um, so, first, uh, I have them in a different order on my sheet, but I'll start with this one. Uh, Comedian and civil rights activist uh, Dick Gregory passes away at 84. Um, I personally grew up with uh, with watching either interviews or old uh, comedy routines from Dick Gregory, so I'm quite um, quite familiar with his work and uh, and and his passing. It will definitely be felt uh, by the black community um, at large because he was a tireless uh, activist and uh, spent millions of his own dollars to try to affect change in varying ways over the years. Uh, and our second RIP um, is uh, the, the original Nutty Professor himself, Jerry Lewis. Uh, he passed away at 91. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, you, it's funny if you haven't out there in podcast land uh, watched any uh, old Jerry Lewis movies uh, in with, particular with, with, uh, I was going to say in particular the, the ones with Dean Martin um, you're doing yourself a disservice uh, this is just hilariously funny stuff and, uh, and, and you can really see the seeds for a lot of the comedians that are working today if you go back through and you find his old routines and his old movies um, it was really funny and then of course later in life um, he started the uh, telethon that would actually come on every Labor Day actually Much um, this before. Yeah, Mark, he yeah. said he, he um, raised over a billion dollars two, over two it's billion, two billion? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm about to say, because he had been doing that telethon for, what, 20 years, if not way, more? Way yeah, I'm about to say. Yeah. I, all of, all of, almost as long as I can remember. Yeah. It yeah. started back in the 60s, and he ended it in 2010. Hmm. They okay. asked him to end it at that <laughs> Well, yeah, well. Well, he was getting, he was, he was, I mean, he, he was old then. He made some bad then. comments, though, yeah. his wife, but, yeah. I mean, you know, you get older. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, but he will definitely be uh, missed by the entertainment community. But like I say, out there in podcast land, if you get a chance, go out there and uh, find some old Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin movies. Uh, this is, it's just classic funny stuff, and, uh, and, and you won't be mad about it. Uh, with with all that said, though, we will be right back. Hey, you can search for the Loft Party Podcast on iTunes Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and on our Good Times with Good People YouTube channel. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, and if you'd like the content we provide, donate to us on Patreon. www.patreon.com forward slash Loft Party Podcast. You can find all of our links below. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. And we are back. Uh, and before we get too deep, let's play a quick party game. So, what is your favorite Jerry Lee? Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, good gravy. See, this is why you don't talk on the breaks because then stuff gets stuck in your head. So, what is your favorite Jerry Lewis movie or favorite Jerry Lewis story? And we will start with Chris O'Connor. Okay. Um, I had, I guess, two really quick ones. One was just something I didn't know that he did. Hmm. He came up, uh, was the first person to invent a way for a director who's starring in his own movie to actually see the playback ah. on a given day. Because before that, as, as you know, everything shot on film, obviously, uh, back then. And so you would have no idea how your performance was or was not. And he actually rigged up a thing where you would film through the viewfinder, wow. and then you could see it while you were performing. Wait, if you're he performing came up with the idea daily? Mm-hmm. Wow. Of really being able to do it efficiently and effectively if you're starring in your own movie. That is crazy. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And then uh, being an enormous Dean Martin fan, I was a huge, huge Dean Martin fan, it was actually cool to see them reunite for the one of the last telecasts. So that was pretty cool, yeah. before Dean died. Yeah. So I like that. Okay. So I guess we'll, you know what? We'll just go around the table. So, Lane. I honestly don't know who this dude is. <laughs> <laughs> Young whippersnapper, you. Uh, I, that is actually a reasonably awesome answer. I have no <laughs> idea who this dude is. <laughs> Adrian? Uh, I'd say movie-wise, there's one I did watch as a whippersnapper myself. Uh, that was uh, Bellboy. Mm. Um, he, he was very funny in that one. Uh, obviously, I'll be turning up on uh, Netflix this weekend as I'm sure they'll be releasing all of his old classics. So there'll be some I'll probably need to catch up on. But obviously, we all probably know him as the the telegun, te- telethon guy uh, during those long Labor Day weekends where he just took over every station in America. 
and yeah. you had no choice but to watch him stand there, ask you for money, and a thousand people in the background on the phone. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what yeah, I remember about. To, yeah, what is the hardest sex. thing in the world if you watch like any stretch of the telethon? That he be talking and talking and talking, and then no, putting no phones was ringing. And like we were just kind of, just kind of back there trying not to look at the camera, the team looking down the phone. They kept raising money somehow. Yeah, no phones ringing, but they bring it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe they quieted them during. It's his. Maybe while he was talking, maybe. Yeah. Yes. FTC. I'm sure they had to be phones in the back, back. Like these were just like the celebrities who came out to answer the phone for don't the they, for don't hour. Don't they like? Didn't they know to like act like they were on the phone? Just act like, yeah. Guys are all busy. Yeah. Keep on calling. Yeah. Keep on calling. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting through pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> Must be one we can't see off camera. Yeah. <laughs> Big Dave? Well, I think just who he was with Dean Martin and the team that they had. Um, Jerry Lewis always played kind of a dim-witted character. To Dean Martin's more sophisticated character, and he was just this clumsy, dim-witted, falling all over the place, gangly, big smile, goofy face. You know that that was his stick. You know he, they really fell along the lines like Abbott and Costello and some of the great teams of that day, where you they just play off each other. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the tragedy of that was that him and Dino had a fallen out, yeah. and they didn't. Talk for damn near 20 years. Uh, it was longer than that. Was it longer than that? Uh, I knew it was a long time. Yeah. And I, if I'm not mistaken, didn't they have some reconciliation towards the end? On the tenth. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't. I remember that vaguely. I don't remember it. It was fully. a little awkward. I do remember that. It was a little awkward. Yeah. It, it well, it's probably a lot awkward, but there's a lesson. There's a lesson learned there, and it goes back to when we had our fathers. Podcast that don't ever let it go till the very end. Yeah. Turn around and say, "Look, you were, you were my partner. You were yeah. my friend. Yeah. Look, you're not going to agree. You're not going to Don't go to grave with the F you. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to agree forever, but there's just no need to, you know, turn out hating each other. Just, right. Well, it's not like either one of them had a bad career. Yeah, exactly. Although Jerry signed, when he did sign his deal, that was what caused the breakup. It was the wealthiest movie deal at that time. So, about up in Hollywood history to then. Yeah, I'm sure. Which causes a little bad blood. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the other thing was maybe he should have been the one with that. Well, isn't it, I mean, isn't it, it's kind of interesting how separate, like, because he was part of the Rat Pack, too. So, it was like, yeah, that's yeah, they just so. Yeah, they were part of the Rat Pack. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Lewis was yeah. persona right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like Dean Martin oh, yeah. had that. Sure, Lewis would have had his ass kicked. Yeah, yeah. Sure, Sinatra would have him buried. So I mean, that's just a, he's, he's such an odd like. Well, Jerry really wasn't part of the Rat Pack that much. What? Nah, I mean, he was. He hung with Dean, but he. I'm didn't. talking about Dean Martin. Yeah, Dean Martin, of course. What Jerry really didn't hang with. No, no, he was not allowed to hang with them. No, it was clear you were not welcome. No, Sinatra so. did not like him like that. <laughs> like, he was like, ah. uh, well, and after watching the documentary, well, I mean, I know we're getting off subject, but watching that documentary about Sinatra, I could see that. Yeah. He was a very serious yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, his, not his... And he had really horrible mood swings. I did. So. Like, most genius dude. Yeah, like, we're, we, we, we are, we're all here drinking and smoking huh? and carousing. Uh, you're not down with that? <laughs> I don't know if I want you hanging with me. 
Uh, and, of course, now Miss Fina. I really don't remember the names of the movies that, you know, I watched when I was a kid with my mom and dad, but I probably remember him more. I would have to see them. You know how bad I am about names of things, but... Um, they're old movies. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm horrible at names for songs. Mm-hmm. You know, I can sing all the lyrics, but I can't tell you the name of the song. Um, anyway... I probably remember him more from the telethons. Yeah, I think for me it was probably the probably his quintessential movie, probably The Night Professor, was was the one that really sticks out. And then I don't think I actually saw the original. I I had seen pieces of a ton of his movies, but never like a whole movie. But then I think after. Eddie, Eddie Murphy did uh, did The Nutty Professor, and then they said, oh, this is a remake of it. And I was like, oh, and then I wanted to see what the original was like. And, and it was damn funny, I mean, you know. It was, it was a very different movie, but it was really damn funny, so. So, um, hey, it is what it is. And I guess with that. It is what it is. We'll be right back. Hey out there in podcast land, we would not be doing our duty if we didn't acknowledge the sponsors of the Law Party Podcast, the Majestic Restaurant and Jazz Club, and the Majestic's Pendergast Club. The Majestic carries on Kansas City's tradition of great food and jazz. Let them show you why they are the classic Kansas City Steakhouse experience. 931 Broadway, just three blocks from the Kansas City Convention Center. Jay Rieger and Company, a Kansas City distillery. Whether whiskey, gin, or vodka, neat or on the rocks, Jay Rieger, Kansas City, sipping good since 1887. CP Construction, Kansas City's premier wood framers, 50 years of quality framing and craftsmanship. Just email david.cnpservice at gmail.com and start building something new today. And our friend and frequent guest, Lane Boland. Thank you all. For all that you do. Time to rejoin the conversation. Okay, and we are back. And okay, here we go. Here we go. Party politics. So, um, in during the break, uh, Big Day brought up something. So before we get to the kind of list of list of topics that uh, of things that happened this week, let's start with uh, what what you were saying. But there was a there was a local issue here in Kansas City kind of dealt with all these the deal where we're going to tear down statues and and put them away and try to basically hide the history of what our country is, which I have a problem with. Um, this was a old memorial that was put up by the women of the South to honor the Confederate dead, and it was put up long ago, about 55th and Ward Paco. It's a beautiful boulevard. It was defaced, and they were cleaning it up, and then the next thing you know, in the middle of the night, they come and took it out. Well, I Googled it up, because I was curious about what, how that thing came about and what it was all about. Well, we had several Union and Confederate skirmishes right here in Kansas City, and during the Battle of Old Westport, there were many killed on both sides. And due to the, the way the troops had to move about and get around, they didn't, weren't able to pick up their dead. So the local farmers and people came up and picked them up and buried them in a mass grave that ended up at 55th 
and, and uh, Moore Parkway. Also, another interesting fact, John Warnell had a house, which uh, the Warnell is a main street that goes down through Brookside here. Uh, they treated both Confederate and Union soldiers in the same hospital there. So they treated the wounded there, and then they buried them all together in a, in a mass grave at 55th and Moore Parkway. So now they've removed that marker. The, I think the question is, okay, you had a problem because the women of the South put up that marker to honor their dead. But we have to realize that there is dead there that fought on both sides of the conflict of our Civil War. <clears throat> and where are we going as a country, in my opinion, that we need to erase our past when we should have our past to learn from? And that is where my issue is. We should always go forward as a country. I don't ever feel we should erase our past. Our past is ugly and at times, and you need to remember that past and why it was ugly. Because it's a history. And history teaches us things. We can't do anything about the past. We cannot do anything about what happened. But we do need to continue to teach it as that history that happened. Well, part of history, though. Because there's a part of history that's not being taught at all. Not at all. So my question now is that well, most of well, our the Romans have slaves. Are there any Roman statues around? Are we supposed to remove them, too? You know, this, this starts getting a little crazy after a while. And it, and it starts to become something very serious that we have to deal with. And it's causing a lot of, you know, as my Italian grand, my wife's Italian grandmother says, she would call it angina, which means heartache or stomachache, you know, she could get angina. It, it, it causes problems and it causes divisiveness. And I question where are we really going with this and, and what is the point of it? This is very bothersome to me. I feel like my nation's slipping away in this stuff that it should not even be involved in. We need, we're moving backward. We need to be moving forward. I'm very disturbed by it. Anybody else want to jump in before? Sure. I think it's a giant step forward to remove these ridiculous monuments. I think they're an insult to the country. Uh, most of them were not put up uh, in the aftermath of the Civil War. They were put up between 1890 and 1920. The vast majority of them were just that. They were Jim Crow. Now reconstruction's over, and so we're going to go back and remind everybody that white people are in charge and you know use it as an intimidation tool on these things. And beyond that, even aside from just the racist nature of it, which I do find deplorable, and they should be removed for that alone, these are these are traitors to the country. These are treasonous people. Fruit. We don't have statues to Benedict Arnold or Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. We don't have any of that bullshit, you know. And to honor this entire group of people who said, "Fuck you, America. We're going to go to war with our one government over a single issue, which was slavery, which not is indefensible." Not just slavery, though. There were economic issues. No, there was one single issue why they actually broke apart. There have been economic problems the entire time. There is one issue why they seceded, and that is most definitely slavery. Uh, and, and so it's indefensible to me that these statues were ever allowed to stay up as long as they were. But do you think our history should be erased? I don't. Th I think these monuments betrayed history in and of themselves. It's like watching Gone with the Wind. I, I love it as a movie, it's cinematic. But to portray the South and these people as heroes and yada yada and say, you know, what was just a noble cause, love, you know, all this bullshit. Like, no, you're a bunch of just so, crap racists. But, but frankly, I Chris, I don't give a damn. 
Nice. History was changed already. I don't mind seeing that version of history removed because that's a fake version of history already. So they they interviewed. I think we talked about the. Maybe we talked about it after the podcast. I don't remember. We talked about it last week, but they interviewed the mayor of. Richmond. Richmond. And they were talking about whether or not, and he's African American, and they were talking to him about, because he doesn't believe the statues should be removed. He believes the, the story around them and the, the, the script that's on them should be changed to reflect what actually happened and not make it seem like this glorious thing for these Confederate soldiers or people or whatever. So instead of removing it, it's rewriting it to be accurate and not one-sided. That, that's how, um, and they actually polled um, a lot of their... Uh, yeah, which is mostly African-American, and they felt the same way. They, they didn't want it removed. But now, after what happened um, with the, the multiple faces of Trump over the last few days, they're rethinking whether or not they want to do that because of how he's behaved. This was already in the works, and I think also you're counting on somebody going up and reading a plaque. I've heard this contextualized argument a million times, and you're telling I'm, me I'm just when telling you're driving you, by a park and there is a... 20-foot statue of Robert E. Lee there that you all say, better pull up and read the plot real fast. You know, no, from a distance, it I looks understand. like you think Robert E. Lee is a badass <laughs> and not a racist traitor to the country. I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that there's two sides to it. And, but you're saying and there's a compromise. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that you should have a statue that towers over anybody. I think that if you're going to have something like that, it needs but to be... But they need shrink the statues? That means i got to condition <laughs> my statue. I was just getting that thing done. I just spent $1,000 getting it started. I personally <laughs> don't think that they should be up, but I'm one person. so. And on public land, on, on top of it, forget it. Okay, so I actually do want to hear from the remaining two people on the table that have not said anything yet, because I, I can see in both of your faces that you have something to say. But I do want to jump in real quick, and I want to say this. Uh, because this is actually, uh, I was having this question with the anonymous, uh, we were having this discussion with, with the anonymous female, and, we were, and I posed this question. So. Wait, wait, you need the context, because I said, I made a comment about the Star, the Kansas City Star, having an article about removing the statues from the city. Yeah. And I said, why does it, how did I word that? Why does it, I don't feel like that's being disrespectful because it was the type of statue it happened to be. You know, and, and she's talking about the one that you're saying just got removed. Dollars of the stuff. Yeah, so, so my thought was, if this was Germany and there was a statue saying to uh, our fallen Third Reich soldiers, <laughs> would, would anybody, it's actually illegal. want that statue to stay. Well, and, and I and when you put it that way, I was like, yeah, okay. Well, and, I and, totally and, get it. And from because that. and I know what I'm about to say at this table and in podcast land 
will be a controversial statement, but that was our third right. And why would we have statues honoring them? Now, honoring the battles, honoring fallen on both sides. Uh, it, 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 there's, a, there's a way to contextualize history without a, statu a huge statue to fucking Stonewall Jackson or Robert E. Lee because they were a hero, because they weren't. They were traitors to our government that don't deserve a 30-foot loft of honor. Mm -hmm. Where, Whereas, here was fought the Battle of Antietam. Here was fought the Battle of Old Westport. That, that, yes, all day. Because that is a historical notion because all you're going to see is groups of guys fighting in, 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 in the statue. And then, so you, and, and you don't know what that means until you read the plaque. But if you see this guy on his horse with his sword in the air, that means whether or not you change the plot, it makes him it makes him a hero. It turns that him turns into, him into a hero. Turns him into a hero. Would, would, let me ask you a question, Larry, because we need God working to Adrian Lane on this. Would you okay? Let's say we remove the Daughters of, of the South step, uh, memorial there. Okay. Don't you think we should go back with the memorial honoring the fallen soldiers that lay buried beneath it? I mean, I, I, don't, I couldn't answer that uh, intellectually because I don't know much about this area and the history of it. And well, just, just sort of the fact that they're there. I, I think there's, there's going to have to be a, an area of patriotism that we have to understand first because patriotism didn't come, didn't come from just individuals. It came from a collective group of people fighting battles where we all had to earn something. Right. Well, we all had to earn our own freedoms. Whether you're black, white, Hispanic, you know, women earning the right to vote. country. So there's so much behind the scenes of our, of our patriotism, but we're, we're putting our patriotism, it seems, behind symbolisms of things that really don't represent what we state in our Constitution. And that's where it's becoming very difficult for a lot of people to squat. Yeah, I mean the, the 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 state flag of Mississippi That's well still still has the Confederate flag in it. Battle flag. <laughs> like it's, I'm like this. That's that's amazing and reprehensible to me that a state that is probably seventy percent African American, closer to eighty, has that's still the state flag. That's insane. And the most illiterate and the poorest, yep. and uh, I think per capita has the most KKK yep. um, uh, registrations. Oh, yeah, said that. I, would, I, would I would agree find with all that. Wildly ironic is the the well. Let's go back to historical a fact first. A historical fact. Um, less than one percent of the soldiers fighting in Confederate uniform were slaveholders. Yeah. Now let's fast forward today. The same guys that are defending this the Southern heritage 150 years ago would have been the poor white trash serving in Confederate uniform that did not own slaves, fighting for these landed slave owners to preserve an institution that was actually holding them back. Uh, anyway, and then the other little bit of irony, I'll just a little historical fact I'll throw out there. Uh, Robert Edward Lee uh, released his slaves uh, when he took his appointment in the Confederate Army. Mm -hmm. You know who didn't? A guy named uh, President Grant. And, right. And he was he was challenged on that during the president his presidential campaign of eighteen, but seventy two. Anyway, and he said, "Well, good help is just so hard to find." <laughs> 
Anyway, so that sounds, that sounds like me. No, god damn it. So <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what I'm getting at is it's such a convoluted, muddy situation that those statues were erected uh, for the purpose of rallying these these crackers again behind a cause that actually held them back. And, and, and so the whole what I'm getting at is is history. The history that the people that are defending those statues talk about the history, they're defending a false history, right? Yes. And the people that are trying to attack those statues don't even understand the, the real history to begin with. And so it's like, I don't even know what to make of the issue. I just want to, let's just find the truth first. Yeah. Yeah. I can say <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I think the question is too, you know, we got to ask ourselves among ourselves. How far does that go? Well, well, you know, they've, they've been talking Washington and Jefferson no, and no, all this. You're starting to talk crazy talk now. No. No, that, 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 was, that was one guy in one press conference saying something asinine. Which one we will guy get to. in one press conference. Yeah, and we will get, <laughs> we will get down to no, that. Let's get to the real root, uh, uh, real root of the matter here. Fuck the statues. The, the real crux that we should be, the matter we should be discussing is President Trump's role in all of this. The, the president, is, his role is to be, you know, I hate to use a, a George W. Bushism, but a uniter, not a divider. But, but that's true. That, that is the job and, and, and of so the president. What, what I'm getting at is these statues should be taken down, not because, you know, they're, they're symbols of, of, of anything. They should be taken down because... They've now become cultural firebrands of negativity in our society that is causing us to fall back. So, you know what? I, I hate to say it. Take the fuckers down. And let's, but at the same time, while you're doing that, let's use this publicity to actually tell the truth. Yeah, tell right? some history. <laughs> and that's why I say I'm, I'm okay with replacing the statues with something that actually reflects history. But what what's now, being displayed currently right. is not history no. that's iconography and and that's dangerous right yeah. it's a contradiction to what we say we stand for everything we say america is yeah. it, it just it contradicts one area to to the next i mean we're saying that we're just patriotic unified nation and then but yet we got the statue that represents right oppression and all these other things uh, to make this one individual look like a hero, or whoever to look like a hero, and that's that's where it becomes real a, a difficult pill to swallow because you know there's a lot of people out there searching for the truth. They want to know the truth. I mean, a lot of people. I mean, I didn't find out to my early twenties truly what Thanksgiving was about. It was about stealing land from a group of people <laughs> that taught you how to cultivate them. And, but we celebrated every single every year. single year. And now the truth is starting to come out, and people are like, "Fuck this! This was a lie. We want the truth." And so now the truth is coming out, and now people want to embrace the truth more and get rid of the lies. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying that you can't bring something back to where General Lee or, or whoever. Uh, in, my, in, my, in my small town, we have a statue of a guy named General Coffee. Same thing. He was a complete racist, yeah. bigot, and he owned slaves. Yeah. But we, in, in front of the courthouse, is this 50-foot statue of him standing tall with his gun and his, and his boots on a, on a rock. Looking over the city, like like he represents everybody in the in the city. Yeah. That's not a good representation. Yeah. I agree, and, and I, was, I would just say this: you, you asked the Washington and Jefferson question. We have an Andrew Jackson statue, you know, a couple blocks away from here. 
And, and they've all done reprehensible things. Everybody knows that. There, there's no mystery about that. I draw the line when you become a traitor to your country and you secede from the Union. There's no chance in living shit I'm going to honor you for that. Uh, particularly when your decision to do it was based on one thing, and that happened to be slavery. I want to argue that. I'm a Yankee coon so I'm a total conflict. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but I am a Union man. I am part of... I, I do believe in what the Union stood for was right for America, and I think America benefited from what the Union won and did. We became America after the Union won. But how ironic that this is happening during this, partic this particular presidential... Right. <laughs> yeah, this particular presidential. Which actually brings us to the next point, uh, is Donald Trump and his... Um, Many, uh, which is actually funny, uh, you know, I, I really thought about um, kind of the symbolism of what we were going to be discussing today and the fact that uh, for everybody out there in podcast land, um, we're recording this on the day of the eclipse. Right. And... Uh, and that is actually the reason that this episode is titled The Path to Totality. Um, so, the many phases of, you know, our president's response to Charlottesville. And so, he, he after a couple of days, a few days, he comes out and... And you know, and he gives the the famous you know many sides, many sides you know speech, which which was an ad lib that wasn't even actually supposed to be in a speech. And then, uh, with the amount of uh, repudiation that he got, came back and he gave uh, a more dignified statement. And then, apparently, being very upset at the fact that he was forced to make the repudiation. Uh, he hijacks a press conference that should have been on infrastructure uh, to say... With two Jewish people behind him. Two Jewish people and an Asian woman behind him. That, uh, that, they, that, they were, that they were fine people on both sides. And uh, and there are many sides to this issue, and and you know the the violence wasn't in the fault of any one side. So uh, I chewed on this uh, for 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 a while, and uh, and I keep coming back to the same question: How is it possible that you make a moral equivalent between? A rally for white supremacists because you, you you can label it whatever you want to label it, but it was a rally for white supremacists and protesters against racism. Can I answer that? Uh, you can, but I'm going to tell you now. Uh, for the probably for the first time, 
I'm gonna jump down your throat because there's no moral equivalent that you can you can't justify the moral equivalency. That's to me. a man that understands his base. Yeah, well, well his yeah, base you know, I called people in that. In that but you did. We I talked. Call, I called you. Last yeah, we week. talked. And, and this and this is what I said. Yes. We we should be happy that the damn white supremacists and the KKK and the Nazis and all these idiots couldn't even muster a hundred people. That, that means we've made, and this is a national thing that we're supposed to come together, that means we've made some progress that there are fewer and fewer idiots in the world that, oh, be I, I do that, believe that. that, that believe this. I do now, believe that. But where did these idiots come from? That was a war that well, was they, they, they've been there. they've been there all along. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're white crackers. They're white crackers. Mm, don't use that word. Because, and I'll, I'll explain it later. Go ahead. But they're, they're white crackers who are, you know, got this crazy ideology because they're ignorant and they've been taught by their parents this ignorance and they've been taught by their grandparents their ignorance they've been taught by their great-grandparents this ignorance this ignorance has come down the line forever and ever and ever All i remember right? hang on one second though. but let's go back let's go back to the anti-fa who basically claimed to be communist now here's here's one question i got and this will disturb you this will disturb you the KKK, basically Democrats, covered themselves. What's the Antifa doing? They're wearing black and they're covering themselves. Why? That's to me, is extremely disturbing that they really, on the opposite end of the scale, are no different than what the damn KKK is because they're out there producing violence against violence. Nothing happens. You know why this panel succeeds? Because we can always talk. Sure. We always have discussions. These people don't talk anymore. They just go after each other. And that makes them ignorant. It makes them low. It makes them human scum. And there's nothing good about either one of them in that, in that instance. But how does the most powerful man in the, in the world not take that as a moment? That, that was a complete opportunity for him to unify not only the Democrats, Republicans, but the entire Robert, nation, Robert the entire, entire world. I, I was in Greece last year, and Reagan. people were talking about. You didn't feel like he hit both sides of the fence, though. <laughs> I, I, I think he missed. I, both I, I sides read of all three statements. I, I, when you when you you have to in, in situations like that, there has to be a side. When there's 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 right and there's wrong, and, and in that side, well, I thought they were both wrong, and that's where I was always disagree with you. There's probably some people acting out for the wrong reasons, and those are probably young kids that needed an opportunity to kind of just exert some energy. They're, they're but, a united movement, though, and that's the problem. Some of them were, not all. I think someone just jumping and just joined a party. But uh, you got a, a, the guy that the, the question was directed towards the president. Why didn't he take that as a moment to completely unify? If you go back to Kennedy and, and several other presidents, that's an opportunity to completely uh, unify. I don't the entire, totally disagree with that. Or even Reagan. Could have made yeah. the state of the I think even Reagan would have took that softball. But, <laughs> but, but I have a real problem calling Trump a racist because you look back over his history and he doesn't really prove that. I, I don't know if it's about calling his daughter. His daughter converted to Judaism. I don't know if it's about him call, calling um, him a racist. You can go back 20 years and hear him talking the same way he's talking now. 
Like they have it on tape. They played it over the weekend. Well, yeah, I mean, years where you didn't either. I mean, the first big, the first big thing that I, I don't, even remember. Wait a minute. What does that even mean? I mean, well, you say something twenty years ago and through twenty years. What about Robert C. Robert Bird, who was a okay? Wait, we're brother, not talking is, about anybody. But it's but the Trump. same type of stuff. Okay, you, you asked a question about Trump, and I'm asking you, I'm telling you, they've got him on tape over the last 20 years talking the same way he is now. That doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. We're talking about Trump, mm -hmm. our president, who has been saying the same stuff for the last two decades. I mean, that, he, nobody else is our president. Even beyond that, he was federally sued for violations of the Fair Housing Act because he didn't want to let black people live in his building. So what's it's not just a matter of words. It's a matter of he put them into action, which I find ridiculous. And I've never seen a guy so out of touch where you are given just a birthday cake with ice cream on it <laughs> and, and all you have to do is blow it. I mean, it's so easy. I mean, it's, I, I just, you know what? sucks. Then you call the mom immediately. Express your deepest condolences. You go down to Charlottesville. You meet with the mayor and as many leaders from different parties as you can. And you know, then you give a nice speech and try to unite everybody. It's kind of like See, what happened in Missouri. That would have diffused it like that. It's kind of like what happened in Missouri. And people would have looked at him as, eh, maybe we were a little wrong. Maybe he actually can lead a little bit when the moment comes time. I can't deny that. Yeah, and that I, I, I'm not saying he made the best decision. I'm just not real convinced that calling Trump a racist or then CNN today was then don't be racist. They're calling him mentally, mentally ill and, and all this stuff. It's kind of like, oh come on, man. I mean, yeah, honestly, I mean, personally, I think, I think, honestly, I think racism is a mental illness. I really, I really you believe. You really think he's a racist? Yes, absolutely. You think, you absolutely. Think he's a racist. I, well, one, going back to the 80s yeah, when he. Well, see, okay, so when, before you jump in, before you jump in, let me say this. I, I, I need to get back out before you jump in. Before you jump in, so in the 80s when he had the thing with the, with the housing, right. he wouldn't let black people rent. The DOJ came to him with the same, same situation, gave him a softball. All they said was, hey, we won't prosecute, just stop. Just, just stop doing what you're doing, and uh, give give uh, black occupants the same opportunity to rent near properties as everybody else. And he told DOJ at that point, kiss his ass. He wasn't he wasn't doing it. That's why they actually had to go through with uh, you know go through with with suing him. The whole the whole birther thing through the Obama presidency. That's. He never used the N-word, but questioning the, our first black president, whether or not he was even born in this country, you, you couldn't find three black people that won't agree. That was, that was as dog whistle as you could get. That is a way of telling a certain amount of people, hey, I'm with you that this guy, this this black guy should not be where he is. Now, I'm pretty sure he knew nothing was gonna come of it, but to press that issue for six years, it is a clear indication. Now, what he, now the funny thing is, there is no, other than black people who've been uh, on The Apprentice, 
there really is no black person other than one or two um, kind of uh, one or two which is odd to me one or two pastors that have ever come out in defense of Donald Trump because what the, the, the horrid thing is most black people know when a situation is racially driven. We don't always want to call it what it is. Sometimes we just don't want to deal with it. We were having this conversation the other uh, after the podcast after the podcast last week. We were saying that there was a couple of guys that were up here uh, at the Pentagast that asked. Uh, they were so after the podcast land. Um, I, I have been uh, honored by my friends, uh, in particularly uh, Big Dave Elliott. Um, put a sign up in a corner that I always sit in, and it says Mario's Corner. Anybody out there that doesn't know that uh, that I'm a black guy, uh, guess what? I'm a black guy. So um, <laughs> there was, I came up here one night. What? Uh, yes. We just finally figured this out. It's a wonderful. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. So one one night or whatever, I came up and some guys were sitting in in the corner that I normally sit in, and I never really ask anybody to move out of that corner. It's just um, it's just kind of it's nice. An, it's an inside joke. Yeah. So right, it's kind of an inside joke, and and uh, and so uh, I kind of made a joke to the guy that was sitting there that uh, that drinks drinks were on him because he's sitting in my in my corner. He goes, huh, what, what do you mean to me? I says, oh, I'm Mario, and I pointed at the sign. He goes, oh, you're Mario. I've been wondering who Mario was. We were actually talking about that the last time we were up here. You don't look like a Mario. Oh! And, okay, so what you can't see right now is the face that Adrian is giving me in the what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I chose because it was busy that day, and I didn't want to uh, cause issue for uh, for our bartender extraordinaire uh, Ben at the moment. Um, I chose not to have that fight at that time, but the it pissed you off. Well, it wasn't even that it pissed me off, but right in there in that moment, you don't look like a Mario whether he knew it or not. And I'm fairly sure he knew it, but he thought he was making a joke, was a racist statement. Because that means that- You should have been Italian. You should have been Italian. Maybe you should have been uh, Hispanic. You should have been something, but not, you know, six foot one, 260 black guy. <laughs> it's not what I was picturing when I saw Mario. So when uh, when a Donald Trump says, you know, that this that this guy that is the president of our nation uh, isn't born here, we don't hear him saying, hey, you know, is is he legitimate for this position? We hear what he's saying, and what he's saying is, hey, black guy, you don't belong here. It's it, racism had become for some time uh, very subtle. 
And as it became subtle, we got very adapted hearing the subtleties in the, in the racist rhetoric. But what has happened since we've had a black president, the, the real racists in this country have decided that they can't be subtle anymore. Now, what I do, I, I, I do agree with what you were saying in that, uh, in that I do think the percentage of the truly racist population is getting smaller. Because um, I, I do believe that, that, uh, that any beast cries loudest just before it dies. So I, but it's not gone. It's not. No, it's, it's not gone. You I, know, I, I would never even begin to state that. Yeah, but it's but, not gone. But I, I live down in Florida too. Yeah, you but know, I, I don't. See the, I see Crackerville all the time. Yeah. especially you know when my mother and father are in the villages and we drive from from Jacksonville down to Ocala. You go yeah. through severe Crackerville now. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Through that way, you, you know. know and but I guess you know, and it, but it does bother me when I've heard you know the questions of kind of the moral equivalency between the two. You have, you know, you have Nazis and neo-Nazis and KKK and people who are uh, inherently against what is American. Then you have the people who are fighting against that. You know, it's funny. Do you feel anti-FA is American? Um, what I do feel is uh, in the, I remember hearing an interview with, uh, with, with uh, one, of, one of our great minds, uh, Tupac Shakur, uh, God rest his soul. Uh, I remember an interview with Pac and Pac was trying to explain kind of the anger in the black community to uh, a white reporter. And he says, so think about it like this. You pass a restaurant, you look in the window, and they're having the greatest party you've ever seen in your life. There's, this, there's food everywhere, people are laughing. Shit, they get, there's so much food, they're just throwing food, it's ridiculous. And you're outside and you're hungry. So you decide, I'm gonna knock. I'm gonna see if they'll let me in because I'm hungry. And you start with the, you know, please sir, please ma'am, will you let me in, I'm hungry. And they go, hey, get the fuck away from here. <clears throat> you come back the next day, party's still going on. You decide you're gonna do a little song and dance. You're gonna try to make it cute. And you're, you know, you do the, you know, please, I'm hungry, will you let me in? And they go, man, get the fuck out of here. <clears throat> the next day you come back, party's still going on, and now you're like, you know, now you're 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 a little more you're a little more angry. You're like, okay, look, like you're you're you you're being blatant, blatantly disrespectful. Um, it 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 you know I'm hungry, and you're blatantly shutting the door. So now I'm asking a little more aggressive, but not really aggressive. I'm like, please, I'm hungry. Could you let me in? And they're like, man, forgot it. <clears throat> He says, so compound that over decades. Now people aren't asking anymore. They're mad. The party's been going on for decades and people have been outside that window looking at the party 
And now they're not saying, please, I'm hungry, will you let me in? Now they're like, hey, motherfucker, I'm hungry, let me in. Like, I'm kicking in the door and I'm shooting people because they're tired of getting denied something that basic. You know, it, and it's not because the party was so exclusive that nobody else could come in. It was because you decided that that particular person or these particular people weren't good enough to be in your party. You know, and that's, and, and unfortunately, that's where we are in, in our kind of our racial narrative. And I'm not saying that uh, violence is good, you know. I'm, I, 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 I haven't, and I won't ever say that. But I will say, at a certain point, um, asking nicely hasn't gotten us anywhere. But anti-fall is mostly white. But see, that what's starting to happen is when what Adrian was talking about is getting to the truth. Now you're starting to get, you know, very well-meaning white people that are starting to see, why aren't we letting that guy in? I, I'm sorry, I cannot see anti-falls well-meaning in any kind of way. Yeah. I, and, just, I just can't. I mean, they are violent. Well, and what I'm saying is... And they're busting to be violent. I, that, may, that may be true. But to tell you the truth, um, and, this, and this is just me personally, and this may be a very controversial statement, but um, depending on, okay, think about it like this. Um, you know, Lane, you're, you're a soldier. Was. Was. Still am. You go to another country to fight. They have a perspective sure. of what you're doing over there. Right. To them, you're invading their country. Right. You're being violent. You're shooting and killing people. You're you're blowing up stuff right. that you have no right blowing up. Sure. But the reason that you went over there is because you know they're inherently violent and inherently violent to their own people and a hundred other things on the checklist of the reason that you went in there to try to stabilize this situation. And honestly, this is the way I see this conflict. And I'm not just talking about anti fire I'm talking about you have the people on the side of, of race, racist activity versus the people that, that are on the side of, you know, we don't want any more racism in this country. And somebody's fighting because they want to continue being racist and they want to, and they really want the country to go back to the way it was in the 50s they want this country to be a madman series and you have the people who are saying no it is 2017 and it is time to act as if we're in 2017 which i will agree on 100 percent I was watching this uh, this video over the weekend, and it was by this this Asian uh, report, and he actually invited a white nationalist to dinner. So they are sitting down and they're having this conversation, and he says, "You know, why did you start this white nationalist um, 
program. It's a, it's a non-profit organization for white nationalists. So people are actually donating to this, this, this organization. And he, this is a guy probably in his 60s, a uh, white guy, uh, real conservative, you can tell. He said, we voted for Trump because he, he conformed around our ideas. And they was like, well, what part of us diversifying uh, is, is an issue? And he says, when you become, we saw through the last election that we were becoming the minority over time. And when you're the minority, you have no power. And I want to hold on to my history or what he perceives as his history. And I want to make sure that what I, what we sustain continues to go, go forward forever. And why would I want to give it to you? Why would I want to give it to black people? Why would I want to give it to uh, another, uh, another ethnic group? Um, so it, 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 it's fear. It's their own fear that honestly, in my personal opinion, they created. It's, it's okay to have Hispanics cross the border to work on your farms and, and, and pick your, 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 your vegetables. To do jobs that yeah. nobody wants to do. And, and pay them under the table when they're illegal. But once they start having kids here, their kids become, become uh, American citizens and they acquire the, the intellect to vote and to speak out, then whoa, that's not what we brought you here for. So it's it's now this this whole evolution, so to speak, of all these all these different things that have happened. They outsmarted themselves, so to speak, in, in so many ways. And, and now this whole evolution has now happened, and now it's instilled their own fear because Obama became president. And he, I, I swear, 2008 was probably, in my opinion, the most beautiful grand campaign I have ever seen a president run in my lifetime. I've never seen anything more unifying. Granted, it didn't quite work out the way he had planned. But it it was the most unifying thing. Once you saw it, you know the night he was elected president in Chicago. What you saw, you didn't see, uh, you didn't see any protests. You saw a bunch of unified people saying, "Wow, we've actually we we've done this for him because we see him as a leader." And now, <laughs> complete contradiction of what there was eight years ago, nine years ago, whatever it was, to to where we are now, and the the. Part is what's there to fear. There's still a staggering difference in statistics and economics when it comes from Caucasians to any other ethnic group in, in the United States. So what is the big fear? There's no way to eradicate one race to the other. Granted, we're all becoming very mixed in, in culture and all those things uh, uh, with interracial relationships and all that kind of stuff because the generations coming up are becoming extremely colorblind, which is good. This is what we said we wanted. But now when we get what we want, we're, we're having this fear because of the top tier, feeling like they won't have what they no longer have anymore. And that's where it's so confusing for people like myself that come from, you know, hick towns where, you know, everybody that has a business is not a minority <coughs> by, at all, by any means. And when you start to grow up and you start to see 80, 80% of the NBA is black, 75% of the NFL is black, but no ownership, no, no, no true leadership at the top echelon of, of this company. The people that are actually writing checks are not. That's weird. And you say we, we're in this, 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 this society where we, where we engulf all these different cultures. Do we really? Or have we mastered in a way to where we, we've actually fooled ourselves to think that we have done that? So, that's my rant. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no sorry for that. No sorry. So, uh, I don't know if we have solved any of the world's ills, but 
Um, I do want to get to a couple other points. Just great, great conversation. Oh, absolutely. Some other things that have happened this week. Um, I think one thing that people uh, were were wanting to happen probably from the beginning of uh, this administration. Uh, Steve Bannon out of there. Yay. Left the building. Whoo! Uh, I be snitching. <laughs> yeah, so, which which is actually the next point. Uh, he's not only <coughs> out of there, but, but he's uh, been threatening at least to, uh, to super snitch <laughs> on the administration. <laughs> Um, if he doesn't uh, kind of get his get his way, what do you think's in there? What do you think he can say that hasn't already been leaked in some form? Oh, I'm sure that there are things maybe that... maybe campaign things, but you have to wonder about. Honestly, I honestly I truly believe up to maybe a month ago, he was probably well in the loop, and then you know, like we watched enough shows where. Uh, all of a sudden, the uh, the chief of staff or the you know the, doesn't the, know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, all of a sudden they just they just out of the loop and they're like, wait, wait, wait what's going? Wait, wait, what? Who's like? How come I didn't know about this meeting? Because uh, you weren't invited, sir. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and and I think that's probably what started happening. Were they speculating on the news yesterday or today that it was when Kelly became chief of staff. Well, they had an article at uh, CNN had, had a story mm -hmm. today. Where General Kelly. Yeah. 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 No, they had an article today where uh, Kelly had actually offered him a very amicable, nice way to leave and everything was going okay up until apparently Jared Kushner did something that pissed him off and then he also gave the article to the uh, magazine and that everything just went crazy from there. So that's what convinced Trump to get rid of him. I just wonder what he really does know and doesn't know. Because I said last week I didn't think they'd ever fire him for that reason alone. I just thought they'd put him in a corner. It's amazing how much different a, a, a week can be. Yeah. Yeah. They, they must have some sort and of... this new side is it's not uncommon anymore. It's just it's, it's crazy. Well, we literally said on the podcast last week that... Uh, well, we didn't. Chris said he didn't think he'd ever be fired. Five days later, he's gone. I, I, this is why I think I'm they have some sort of agreement. I mean, I think they have something. I think Kelly is taking control. We, but, we shall but see. What kind of agreement could they have if he's threatening to... to Listen, you can have an agreement that says uh, if you say anything that we did was criminal or assist these investigations or do any of that stuff, yeah. then I'm going to make sure that they're back under the bus for that because we got dirt on you too now and your ass will be in a sling. So you can make all the right wing crazy noise you want on your little website, but don't don't say anything too stupid. Yeah, uh, yeah I can believe that. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about was uh, uh, does anybody know how many of the councils disbanded? I know. There were two. I know the... I think both of them did. Yeah, I know the, He only had two. He had the manufacturing and then uh, security. Not security. Um, IT, maybe? I don't remember. Yeah, anyway. I think it was IT. Well, yeah. IT was in manufacturing somehow, but I can't remember. remember yeah, what but I do know there was... I, do, I, I know there was two. I just wasn't sure if there were more. Mm -hmm. But um, <laughs> it was But I, it was funny listening to... Uh, listening to Trump try to spin that he disbanded the council when the council voted to disband itself. 
because uh, nobody wanted to stand next to him anymore. Well, any president's going to try to deflect that. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. They've been Obama well, doing the he, same he, thing. They're going to deflect <laughs> that. You know, one thing Obama didn't have is that he didn't have professionals. Yeah, I mean, his, his he, people were all very loyal to him. Yeah, I mean, he changed. I, mean, I mean, there were some people he should have got rid of, and he didn't. Yeah, there were people that changed positions, you know, or or left the administration um, all through his uh, administration. But you know, I don't. It doesn't seem as if anybody left. What uh, scandal did well, he Green, have in the eight years he was, was president? The, what was the fellow named Green? Um, I want to say Jeff Green. I don't think that was right. He, he had some rather, rather radical opinions on some things, and they did. He's the only one that got forced out, to my knowledge. Yeah, I knew the Obama I may, I may be wrong in the last name. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, he ended up on CNN, and he's forced on out. He's a contributor to CNN now. But he was the only one that I know of that they you know, said something really radical, and they said bye bye. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, to me, you know, getting back to, you know, Adrian talking about uh, how that campaign was run. I mean, you don't you don't get uh, that many moving parts. And and then when it's over, uh, nobody basically have anything bad to say. Uh, well, if, Valerie Jarrett was there the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. How so, unusual is that? Yeah, very unusual. Uh, some of these positions, you uh, know they're going to turn over one, once in a term, and then some of these people were there for the entirety of both terms. I mean, that, you know, that said, to me says a lot about the, the, the character of, you know, of, of the man himself, you know. Um, I did... And uh, and I would actually suspect you probably paid closer attention to the actual statement, but there, I do remember the Joint Chiefs of Staff made a statement um, about uh, racism. About yeah, about you know about what was uh, intolerable in uh, in in America and in any. Presidential administration. Well, and, uh, they said um, the military is the most diverse. It's probably the most organization, I guess. Democratic institution in, in America. They in said the that there. Yeah, they said that there were more. Um, that that really reflects what the country should be, what it is, well, because the, they're, they're, the I culture mean, inside the uniform is is that uh, it's it's very binary. Can you or can you not accomplish? The objective or the mission that's assigned to your role. Well, and if they you were, can't, you're you're dismissed with extreme orders. <coughs> yeah, I mean, they were just really talking about just the diversity of, you know, race in. Yeah, yeah. Now, race now I don't know about how when you get higher up, you yeah, know, I don't yeah. I don't know about that, but yeah, race and just in general, it's yeah. probably the most diverse organization in the country. Lane didn't didn't a a black female take over. Uh, West Point, as far as commander goes, yeah, the commandant. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean that, in my opinion, that's what it's all about. But yeah, they, uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, made that whole statement about <coughs> racism is intolerable and blah blah blah. And yeah, and even to the point of uh, no matter who says it, nor what office they hold, and 
Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a very bold and definitive statement. I, 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 uh, I actually had to tip my hat to, you know, and and we've had the conversation uh, a lot, uh, and I'm sure and I about uh, all of the generals that he's yeah. kind of been surrounding himself with, and um, how they're kind of dealing with all of this, and I was thinking that I don't know if any of them will resign only because they're good soldiers. Right. And um, they, not, feel, they, not, they feel they could influence him better from where they are. Yeah. And I don't even know, well, that's, that's very possible. Um, but, you know, what I do know of, you know, people who are career military is, you know, you've decided that you're going to be a good soldier. You're gonna you're going to fall in line, and you're gonna follow orders. Uh, and with minor amounts of questioning, uh, if at all possible. And uh, and that's kind of what I've been thinking is happening with the generals that he's got under him. Because, like you can tell with General Kelly at the at the Tuesday press conference at Trump Tower, like like you can tell that he was disturbed with what was happening, but he wasn't going to uh, say anything in, in that moment, you know, because, you know, he is a good soldier, and, you know, and this is this is a, the commander-in-chief for all intents and purposes, and until he's not. Well, he and, had uh, sub subtleties in his speech uh, that, that kind of let you know that he was disturbed about it because there were certain things how he said oh, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. There were subtleties in how he stated things, and this is how these people do these things. They will, in subtleties, state how they really feel. Yeah, and, well, and, and, and I you saw and, some of that. In well, yeah, with the, with the joint chief, the joint chief statement, I definitely that was um, that, that was that was that was that was very strong. But um, but all of the other kind of generals as appointees that have made statements. Yeah, I, I think they try to, um, they try to make as subtle a distinction between them. They have to play them. the politics of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So with that, we'll be right back. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www.americathemixtape.com a cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us, purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. And we are back, and uh, before we get out of here, uh, let's talk about today's sugar honey iced tea. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, these are things that I or a member of the group have found that are really cool, a.k.a. the shit. And today's Sugar Honey Iced Tea is the Total Eclipse. Um, so, uh, here in Kansas City, we were actually pretty close to the path of, total, of totality. Um, we were actually able to see uh, like 99%. So, we saw... Um, what they call the diamond ring, just just before uh, total eclipse. If you were um, just a little ways from here, 
you should have been able to see 100% totality, um, although I think they got bad clouds and rain. I am so sorry for you guys, because uh, you camped out for that. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, I saw one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. And uh, um, so that got me to thinking, um, when will we see an event like this again? Um, so the last time we saw an event like this was 38 years ago. Uh, and the next time we'll see anything like this uh, in North America is going to be 2024. And that's going to be um, closer to the East Coast. Um, uh, the path kind of... Uh, Basically, from Rhode Island down to Texas. Yeah, so it won't hit. It'll hit like the bottom corner of Missouri. It won't. It won't hit Kansas City uh, anywhere oh, that's near. Definitely where we want to be. We're gonna go down to the Boot Hill. Yeah, you go. Yeah, you go. With the fire alerts yet to see the total eclipse of the sun in Nova Scotia. Uh, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, That's a call yeah, assignment. Yeah, Lear, yeah, Lear, Learjet, Nova Scotia. I'm, I'm written, written about Warren Beatty. <laughs> uh, and then the next time it's going to kind of stretch the expanse of the country uh, is going to be another 28 years. Going to be 2045. I hope I and that's, be here then. That's going to go from. Uh, from the top of California to almost the bottom of Florida, that kind of that path, and uh, and it will also miss uh, miss Kansas City again. Miss Missouri altogether. Yeah, on that one. yeah. But uh, uh, I would not be mad to go to uh, California or Florida and uh, and watch it, <laughs> watch it there. That is, of course, if I. Uh, I'm alive and give a damn in 28 years. Uh, to in August, I would, well, assuming weather is in 28 years what it is now, yes. it would definitely be California. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I do not want to go down to Florida during hurricane season. So, year 2045, if we are still alive. Did, uh, did everybody see, uh, did everybody here see it today? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, where, where did you guys go? I'll go. Yeah. I swim with the Master Swim program. Mm -hmm. I hung out in the pool, fit on the glasses, okay. the cardboard, so they started falling apart because they were all wet. <laughs> <laughs> and we hung out in the pool with my swim group, and I've been swimming with that group for 10 years, and it was just a kind of a cool, different thing to be hanging out in the pool with all the guys I've swam with, on gals I've swam with all these years, and watch the eclipse from the pool. And we're right there on the Sprint campus, and one of the things that a couple of guys already brought up, and gals already brought up, is that all the lights came on. Yeah. Including the lights in the pool. Oh, that's So as we were cool. swimming our last few laps, the lights in the pool came on. That's you know? So cool. it kind of reminded me of being at the best restaurant when I was a kid. <laughs> that's very cool. You go swim in the pool late in the day, you know, you're traveling with your parents, and you know, there's no air conditioning in the car, and all the windows are down. This is back in the 60s. And, you check into some motel in the middle of godforsaken nowhere, but you go swim in that pool at night and the lights are on. <laughs> that's awesome, that's awesome. What about you, Adrian? Uh, I was on my balcony. Uh, I caught it right at the last, I guess, the last 25%, and then this huge cloud came out of nowhere. It was a huge rain cloud came, and that ruined it. So <laughs> oh. that, that was it. Uh, Lane? I was on the job site screaming at guys to get back to work. Okay. All right. All right. Nothing to see here. <laughs> you wasted my money. 
Chris? Uh, I was on the rooftop of a bar uh, in an area of town called Brookside. Okay. So. Everybody said, now, now that sounds like a place to be. Uh, have, having a drink, seeing, seeing one of the wonders uh, that you don't get to see uh, that often in your lifetime. Uh, so with that, we've had uh, quite a lively discussion uh, on today's Law Party Podcast, and I'm glad you guys all tuned in. So I do suppose I'm going to end this in the way I end all podcasts, and that is with the toast that started it all for me, and that is the good times with good people.